Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Did You Know podcast by the Louisiana Budget Project. I am Jan Moeller, the executive director, and I'm joined with our newest, uh, by our newest staff member, Paul Braun. Uh, if the name is familiar, uh, he comes to us from WRKF Public Radio uh, here in Baton Rouge in New Orleans. Uh, he's a veteran of the state capitol reporting course. So he's been through a lot of uh, tax and budget uh, sessions of the state legislature. And now he joins us at the Budget Project, where his role will be uh, to look at tax and budget policy for our organization. And uh, as luck would have it, Paul started with us two days before the governor uh, unveiled his executive budget. Uh, that was last Friday. You can be forgiven if you missed that moment, because it was the Friday before Mardi Gras. And uh, a lot of people had other things going on in their lives besides thinking about the state budget. But this was uh, Governor Edwards' last executive budget as governor. And again, the executive budget is, uh, is you know, his blueprint uh, for how he wants to spend the revenue that the state has available. Uh, and he is required by law to present it before the legislative session. And now it's kind of out of his hands. Uh, these are his recommendations and now goes to the legislature and they're going to start reviewing it in the weeks leading up to the start of the legislative session on April 10th. And then, of course, during the session, the legislature will make any changes that they see fit and there will be negotiations back and forth. Um, so but this is the the formal public starting point. Of course, we know that this budget has been debated and discussed behind the scenes by agencies um, going back several months, but that's the part of the deliberations that we don't really see much. Um, but Paul, I wanna just get your top line reactions to what is in this budget. What is there to like and, and what is there not to like? Give us your thoughts. Yeah, well, first of all, thank you for that intro, Jan. And, you know, it's always a lot of new stuff when you're starting a new job. So it's nice to be back in front of a microphone one weekend. Um, but yeah, the big top line, I mean, I think we saw a bit of a victory lap from Edwards when it comes to touting the fiscal stability. Um, he came into office nearly eight years ago now when the state was in dire straits uh, facing a, a steep fiscal cliff, and it has since clawed its way back up out of the whole pick your metaphor. Um, so the state's in much better shape now. We're looking at, um, you know, as far as revenue is concerned, uh, a lot more than lawmakers were originally anticipating. Um, and we've seen this, Governor Edwards proposed some pretty significant investments in education for one, um, some effort to shore up the state's rainy day funds, really all steps that, um, are what you'd like to see whenever uh, a governor and a state are entering a, a phase of fiscal stability. So the big, I think, biggest headline from this is, is teacher pay, which is part of a multi-year push Edwards has been on to bring Louisiana public school teacher salaries up to the Southern regional average. Um, he's still hasn't hit that point yet. We've seen states all around us raise their pay, even as Louisiana has done so. Edwards proposed a $2,000 pay raise for public school teachers, K through 12, and a $1,000 pay raise for school support workers. And he would bump that teacher pay raise up to $3,000 and the support workers rate up to $1,500. 
he suggested doing that if the state's revenue estimating conference recognizes more revenue, improves the state's already rosy revenue forecast for this budget cycle. So that's a really big thing to keep an eye on. Uh, more money for GO grants. Uh, we've seen an investment in early childhood education, though not enough to, to recoup the uh, amount of one-time dollars from the feds that would be expiring um, in this, this budget cycle. So really a lot to, to dig into. And that's a really good point about uh, the the teacher pay. There's also money for uh, college faculty pay. Uh, there's money for new positions in child welfare. So there's a lot of money going into staffing. But as you noted, Paul, some of these things are moving targets. Uh, you know, the, the southern regional average, for example, for teacher pay, um, $2,000 is a good down payment. $3,000 would be even better but we live in inflationary times. So there's a real question about, you know, are not only are we keeping up with the rest of the South, the rest of the country when it comes to teacher pay, uh, but are we even keeping up with inflation and making sure that if you go to school and teach class every day, are you keeping up with the cost of living? I don't know if we have the answer to that just yet, but I think that's something we're going to be keeping an eye on moving forward. Um, you, and, and you also mentioned early childhood education. Um, of course, that's been a key area of, of bipartisan agreement, really, to get more money uh, to children zero to three. There's been this growing recognition um, at, in, in the state capitol that some of the best investments we can make are in the absolute youngest children before they start school where brain development is occurring. We know that a lot of the federal pandemic funding went to add new slots for, for families, low-income families, so that their child will have a safe, uh, enriching, rewarding place to go that's affordable. Childcare can cost easily, you know, seven, eight hundred, a thousand dollars a month. Uh, and if you're a a you know low-income worker, you can't afford that without some subsidies. So we've used some of this federal pandemic cash to add new slots. That pandemic cash is going away. There's $200 million that's just going away next year. The governor is proposing to replace uh, one-fourth of that, a little bit over a fourth, $51 million, um, which I think in any other year, we would say this is really fantastic because there were a lot of years when there was zero invested in early childhood. So we don't want to say, uh, we don't want to sneeze at $51 million. That's a lot of money. Uh, certainly and, and a serious investment, but we also need to acknowledge that there are some families that that could be losing the services they are getting right now because we have so much pan, uh, federal pandemic aid. Um, I want to pivot to, you know, a, a couple of things. First of all, there, there are two parts to this budget. You know, there are three parts, really, when we heard the governor's presentation. You know, he started out talking about where we were. And like you said, there were shortfalls, mid-year shortfalls, uh, budget cuts uh, on the table when he came in. We now have the sixth straight year that the state has finished with a budget surplus, and we also have an enormous amount of excess revenue. So the governor came in, he said, look, you know, here's where we've been, here's where we are. And then he kind of described two parts of the budget. There's all the the surplus and excess revenue that is going to one-time uh, needs. And then there is the operating budget, which is really the thick of what they're going to be um, debating in, in the spring. 
let's talk a little bit about the one-time money. Where is that money going, Paul? And and is that a wise use of the funds? Yeah, well, I mean, we've seen, you know, I mean, one of the big hallmarks of those early debates in Edwards' tenure around the budget was some of the the misspending, some of the issues that we saw, you know, the state got into trouble because it was using one-time funds for recurring expenses. So that's been, you know, a hallmark of Edwards' time in office. And the the focus of the legislature during that time is to always, always pair one-time funds with one-time expenditures. And for the most part, we've seen them do that. There's a lot of statutory requirements and constitutional requirements that they would funnel surplus dollars automatically into various rainy day funds to, to prepare and make sure the state has, you know, reserves on hand if things do go south in terms of revenue. Um, so, but we, we've seen, you know, with these, these six years of surpluses, we've seen a lot of emphasis on, okay, you think one-time expenditures, a lot of lawmakers jumped immediately to transportation infrastructure. And we've seen that funded to the tune of about $340 million in this budget. So really significant investments considering the state has had a multi-billion dollar backlog in its road and bridge projects for years. Um, that being said, it's it's one, you know, it's hard to argue against paving and smoothing out Louisiana's crumbling roads and bridges, but there are ways to invest one-time dollars in the people of Louisiana that are, you know, one-time expenditures that can have a lasting impact far beyond the fiscal year that we're budgeting for. And, um, you know, a great example, and we spent quite a bit of time already talking about early childhood education, that may seem like a recurring expenditure, but because you know, the need for early childhood education is something that comes and goes with a family for, you know, a couple of years of their lives before their kids are moving from preschool to kindergarten in the public school system or wherever. Um, that's that's an area where, you know, those one-time federal dollars, pandemic dollars, about 200 million of them, had a really lasting impact on 16,000 kids who got access to early childhood education that they otherwise wouldn't have been able to have. So, you know, as we continue the discussion around these one-time dollars, there's there's going to be a lot of folks who, I think some tunnel vision, um, focusing in on, on infrastructure projects, but there, there are ways to spend those dollars in ways that are fiscally responsible and also really impactful for not just, you know, the, the brick and mortar of the state, but for, for the people themselves. Yeah, I mean, that, that's a really good point, Paul. I, I count uh, a half a billion dollars going into the Department of Transportation and Development's highway program. That's new money on top of everything that they put into that highway program last year. Uh, and you remember you were covering the budget. They had so much money available that they were just kind of putting it into savings account and say, you know, we'll, we'll leave this here for when we really need it. Um, another thing that came out in this debate is that we now have not one, but two rainy day funds. Um, there is the traditional budget stabilization fund, which I believe is going to be at record levels after this year. Uh, the constitution requires that one fourth of any surplus goes into the rainy day fund. So that's gonna be the case this time. But a few years ago, the legislature uh, created a second rainy day fund uh, where uh, if, if corporate income tax collections come in above a certain level, uh, a lot of the excess revenue spills into that fund. 
that fund got a big infusion of dollars last year. Uh, I think most people didn't really notice that this fund was getting filled up. Um, so now we have, I think, uh, close to eight or $900 million there. Um, and which strikes me as, as not a terrible thing to have a lot of money in reserve, because one of the things, uh, the underlying themes to this budget debate is going to be what happens um, in a couple of years. And so let's talk a little bit about the fiscal cliff. Uh, what is the fiscal cliff, Paul? And uh, when are we going to feel the effects of this? Well, yeah, I mean, the the fiscal cliff is is coming out of basically the state's solution to the last fiscal cliff. Uh, back in 2018, we saw state lawmakers pass a temporary expansion of the state sales tax, a sales tax that is the highest in the country. It was 0.45% uh, increase to the state's already high sales tax. And um, that raised, uh, at that time, about a half a billion dollars um, that was crucial in funding the programs that had been underfunded for, for years and years, shoring up, you know, higher education, healthcare systems in the state that were really struggling under years of, of budget cuts. Um, but that was, again, a temporary expansion of the sales tax. We saw it extended, and, and now it's set to expire uh, in the fiscal year 2025. So once we've got a new governor in office, uh, likely a very different crop of legislature legislators in, in the House and Senate. Um, so it's it's something on the horizon. It's it's you know, a half a billion dollars is nothing to sneeze at in a state budget. Um, it's we've had agonizing cuts and agonizing budget cycles over over that amount before. So the discussion this session is is, you know, going to be not only, OK, how do we spend the surpluses that we have now, but what are ways that we can prepare for this upcoming fiscal cliff and hopefully stop short of it? And, you know, we've seen a lot of folks. It is also an election year. Um, there's a surplus after a long you know, string of surpluses. And that for conservative legislature leads often to discussions of tax cuts. Um, but with this revenue disappearing from the state's coffers in a couple of years, um, it, it a more prudent option would be to discuss ways to replace that revenue whenever it goes away. Uh, so the state can, at the very least, maintain the critical ser services that it's been providing for, for the people of Louisiana for all those years. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that's exactly right. And and let's keep in mind, the fiscal cliff is not just the half a cent or 0.45% of expiring sales tax. They also, a couple of years ago, decided to shift the vehicle sales tax revenue, about $300 million a year that right now goes to the general fund. You know, when you go buy a car, you pay a special sales tax on the price of that vehicle. You pay that up front. Um, and and that money right now goes to the general fund. It supports public schools and hospitals and, and education and all the kind of things that government does. Um, that's going to go into the transportation trust fund to pay for even more highway projects. So you add that plus the temporary sales tax, that's $800 million a year that we are buying public services with in today's budget and next year's budget. That's not going to be around two years from now when we have a new governor and a new legislature. And Paul, you're exactly right. Um, the job of the legislature, which created this problem, um, you know, we don't know how the economy is going to do. 
Um, the strength of the economy has a lot to do with how our, our revenue collections go. It affects sales tax collections and income tax collections. But this particular fiscal cliff is a wholly man-made problem. <laughs> the legislature created this problem. And, uh, and I think there are going to be some folks at the legislature who say, well, we're just going to have to bite the bullet and cut our way out, out of this. We can cut our way to prosperity uh, but like you said, the real answer here is you need to figure out how to replace $800 million in the state uh, revenue structure, because otherwise you're going to be making some very unpleasant cuts. And the chances are that the economy, nobody knows what the economy is going to do, but but there's a lot of folks predicting that we are heading for an economic slowdown um, in the next two years. So, uh, so you're right. Uh, we've got to Pretty good budget right now, but we have more uncertainty than normal in the forecast. Um, and and you know, if the legislature was prudent, they would do something about it this session, not wait um, uh, two years. But it is an election year, and there are going to be a lot of folks running for re-election and wanting to run for re-election on cutting taxes not replacing expiring taxes. We do live in the real world and we understand uh, you know, what, what's popular and what's not. Um, Paul, any thoughts going forward? What do you expect to see? Uh, what did, did the legislature give any hint of what the terms of the debate, what the big sticking points are gonna be? Uh, we have a Democratic governor and we have a Republican legislature and really, they have, for the most part, been able to agree on uh, on the budget. There hasn't been a lot of fighting and stalemates. This is not Washington, where you see, you know, we're going to maybe melt down the entire U.S. economy over the debt ceiling in the next few months. <laughs> that doesn't seem to happen in Baton Rouge. Whatever differences there are, they seem to settle them behind closed doors. Um, but there are going to be changes to this budget. Where do you see maybe some sticking points coming up? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know... I think, first of all, we've seen this move so much smoother over the last couple of years because it's a lot easier to decide how to spend extra money than it is to argue over what's going to get cut. And, and we've seen the budget process move much more smoothly than really any time in, in recent memory over the last couple of years. I mean, they they finished it before the last day of session. I mean, that's that's been pretty much unheard of before. Um, but I would say, you know, looking at the amount of of the spending proposal that we have so far, I, I think we're likely to see some some disagreement with the governor when it comes to to some spending on um, transportation. It, it's I, I think really to to look to the revenue estimating conference that will meet later this spring and likely approve more uh, or recognize more incoming revenue. I, I think that's a spot where we're going to see whatever that difference is some real independence from lawmakers, them funneling more of that money, not taking any necessarily out of, of Edwards' spending priorities that he outlined this last week, but not necessarily funneling more toward the things that he'd like to see, uh, specifically like a teacher pay raise. Edwards allocated about $2,000 in his, his current spending proposal for teacher salary increase. He wants that to go to 3,000 if the money's available, Last year, we saw Edwards take a very similar approach, and the lawmakers didn't go for it. Once they had that extra money, they found other things to spend it on. So I, I think we'll see, you know, how things how things shake out. I mean, there's a lot to be determined during this this session, and um, 
all sorts of spending, it, it'll really show us where this legislature's spending priorities lie. Yeah, well, uh, like we've said for a long time, uh, a budget is a moral document and a budget is a statement of our priorities. Uh, one thing I think we know will be priorities for the legislature is some earmarks for their districts. And, and you kind of hinted at this, you know, when and if there's extra money that becomes available from the revenue estimating conference, I think we can be pretty sure that a good chunk of that will go to kind of local parochial priorities. Every single legislator has something in their district that they're dying to steer some money to. Uh, this is going to be especially true in an election year. Um, and, you know, that's the kind of thing media loves to pick on that um, and and highlight that, you know, uh, they call it pork projects or or so on. It's also money that that helps communities where people live. And frankly, I think one of the reasons that um, that we haven't seen as much rancor in the ranks uh, the last few years is because everybody got something to bring home and, and show the voters back home. So, um, you know, maybe that'll be how it plays out. But the interesting thing about this is we don't really know how it will play out. Um, what we do know is that we are past Mardi Gras now. We are only, you know, five or six weeks out from the beginning of session. And we know that very soon the House Appropriations Committee will start digging into this budget schedule by schedule. The House Bill 1, the executive budget is divided into 20 schedules, and they're going to start at the top and work through it pretty much line by line. The agencies will come up and explain their budget requests, uh, the governor's budget requests, and that's where the debate will take place. Paul Braun from the Louisiana Budget Project will be there watching, just like he did. Uh, he might not be in those press row seats in the front, but he'll be nearby uh, paying attention. And we'll also be paying attention to the debate right next door on tax policy. It's going to be in an interesting election year session. Paul, thank you for joining us for the Did You Know podcast. We'll be doing these more frequently as we get into the political season in Louisiana. In the meantime, thank you all for listening. We really appreciate this. And Paul, thank you. We're really thrilled you're here on staff. Thanks, Jan. Anytime. And I want to thank Jamie Carson, our communications director, who's producing this. Um, we will see you next time. Mm -hmm.